we had a 75 degree day the other day and to me that's kind of instant summer but uh that i think got a lot of people already uh starting to rattle around the house and the yard and start getting things renewed do you have any uh basic suggestions for uh ways to avoid i know one of the goals your product is to eliminate use of plastics and that you've uh you use glass yes absolutely so i mean i think that's one of the things when you're really thinking about choosing a healthy product first of all i would recommend um checking out the website ewg.org they rate thousands of products cleaning products personal care products also and they, it's shocking when you get on that website, they letter grade all the products and they look at um, your health as a human. And then they also look at, they look at environmental impacts of these cleaners. Um, so they letter grade it and you would be shocked at the products that are, you know, labeled and branded as natural and what's in them. So they'll look at the ingredient on every single product, you know, and then they rate the ingredient depending on human health, environmental health, you know, sustainably mined, you know, they look at a lot of different stuff. So I would look at the products that you're using in your home. I would go to ewg.org. You're just going to enter it in a search bar and they will letter grade it A, B, C, D, F. So that's how you can find really clean, good products that work well. But I also wanted to take mine a step further and put it in glass reusable bottles because most of us are pretty aware of the plastic problem. I, I think it's what, I think it's like 5% of plastics are actually recycled. Not counting what is being recycled into our bloodstreams. Another thing is that it's in the soils and it's in the air. We're breathing in the microparticles. Everybody yes. thinks it's about the ocean going mm -hmm. down the river and getting in the ocean, but it's actually mm -hmm. soils and I guess it goes yeah. into plants, into plants grown in those soils. Yes, absolutely. They're horrible. So, I mean, when we're really thinking about spring cleaning, I would say, first of all, decluttering right? Which that's a whole nother topic, but really getting rid of stuff that you're no longer using. And there's a lot of great organizations to donate them to in this town. Try everything you can before it ends up in the landfill. Um, but then, yeah, on microplastics, a lot of people think of cleaning, you know, just as hygiene, but really when it comes to dusting and mopping, that's like a number one way that you're going to remove the microplastics, the forever PFAS. You're going to remove those from your house through dusting and mopping. And, you know, they have those Swiffer, Swiffer dusters. Those are great for like the tops of fans and stuff. But really, I don't, I kind of just view those as like moving it around, you know, cycling it through the air. So when we're really talking about removing microplastics in our home, um, you know, I would just use an all-purpose cleaner, spray some on a rag, and you're going to wipe everything down. So you're really removing it from your home. You're not just spreading it around. But yeah, I mean, and there, 
It's also interesting when you think about the different ways microplastics get in our home, you know, and they're kind of just shower curtain liners, you know, furniture, rugs. They're in so many of our textiles now. One of the things that you could possibly do is air drying any um, clothing that's made with polyester. Because when you throw your that fleece in the dryer, yeah, it's just, you know, microplastics. So there's a lot of things we can think about with removing them from our home, but mopping and dusting are really important for that reason. And as an all-purpose cleaner, you mean what as a substance? Well, um, there's a, I mean, there's a bunch of different brands that make an all-purpose cleaner. So, you know, I prefer mine, <laughs> which is the multitasker. You can find it at Blooming Foods, Rose Hill Farm Stop. Um, but it's really simple. But you can make your own multi or all-purpose cleaner with just water, a little bit of vinegar, maybe a drop of dish soap, shake it up. That's super basic. Um, if you want to, you can add a couple drops of essential oil. But I mean, keeping it as basic as possible when it comes to an all-purpose cleaner, because you're just, you know, there's a lot of, I think, misconceptions about actual um, antibacterial cleaners, especially with like COVID and all of that. But if you're going to really, if you're really working to like remove bacteria, a lot of these cleaners, you're supposed to spray it on the surface and leave it there like 15 minutes. So most of your cleaners are actually just all-purpose cleaners and they're just removing a layer of dust, dirt, and grime. It's not really an antibacterial. And so as far as different surfaces, you're talking in terms of uh, all-purpose, but I guess it was avoid alcohol on wood. Is there anything that, uh, you know, would require something a little different and or maybe the kind of degreasing? Sure. Yeah. When you're thinking about spring cleaning, I would really just think about top to bottom. So if you're really going to go for it, you know, you're going to stop. You're going to look at the very top. You're going to go for cobwebs and you're just going to go down. So you're going to remove dust on like door frames or like the um, ledge on trim, ceiling fans, you know, it might sound a little extreme, but washing your walls with hot soapy water, you wouldn't believe how dirty our walls get. Um, windows, windowsills, you know, your um, baseboards, <laughs> baseboard, they get disgusting. But then also focusing on, you know, at least once or twice a year, our appliances. So that's where sometimes you need, you might need a, a heavier degreaser. So um, the grind buster actually works really well on appliances, um, but like oven cleaners are one of the most toxic cleaners. I won't touch a conventional oven cleaner. It's, you know, luckily most of our ovens are self-cleaning, but you could also make, um, a baking soda paste. So you're going to just have baking soda, add a small amount of water till you make a paste, smear that on the inside of your whole oven. Um, and then you can spray it down with like um, kind of a vinegar, dishwater detergent 
mixture and that's gonna release a lot of the grime and then use I call them there's probably a more official name but I call it non-scratchy scratchy pads so they're the blue scratchy pads but they're not going to scratch the surfaces of your appliances um, so those are good to get you know your the oven vent the oven hood vent once or twice a year soak that in hot soapy water with a little basically everything hot soapy water with a little vinegar you're good to go keep it simple and uh, how about the different uh, floors i've always um for 15 years cleaning floors every single floor surface hot soapy water a little splash of vinegar we're not talking about cleaning vinegar okay i'm talking about like a cooking vinegar five percent acetic acid a little splash of vinegar if you want some essential oils but every single floor surface that's all i use a lot of times um floor cleaners even if they're somewhat natural you know like method or um a lot of times they can really create like a buildup on your floors so hot soapy water, don't use those weird Swiffer pads. Those are loaded with a bunch of nasty stuff. Um, and then I use, there's several different kinds, but I use what's called a Bona mop. So it has a removable mop head that you can throw in the washing machine when you're done. So um, that's what I use on every single surface. Tile, wood, laminate, all of it. Your company is Drift Botanicals, and uh, so you do things like candles and stuff, and that it's plant-based. Do you, uh, how do you source that? Do you grow any of that? I mean, we grow a lot of it. Um, we've been planting more. I'm looking at it right now. We've been planting more and more lavender, peppermint, and spearmint, and then we have a still that we steam distill our own essential oils. So really trying to keep things local, keep things in the in our loop of production. Um, I use organic vinegar in my cleaners. I try to really make it as clean as possible. Purified water, organic cornstarch. Um, and a lot of people ask why that matters in cleaning products. And it really matters because of just organic farming practices, you know. Conventional farming is like one of the worst things for our planet. So um, we really like to think think through our supply chain as much as possible and really choose the ecological choices. But yeah, we steam distill a lot of our essential oil. If I don't, we're at this point, we're at a pretty good production level with it, but um, I also have ordered um, organic dried lavender from Mountain Rose Herbs, I think it's called, out in Oregon. But always, um, always going organic. And uh, so you've got your products in a few local places, and is it beyond Bloomington at this point, or? It's also, I do have them up in Indianapolis at a co-op called Georgetown Market. I think it's been one of the longest running co-ops in Indianapolis. They're kind of on the Northwest side, but they're great. So um, yeah, I recently partnered with a good friend up there who's a realtor and 
Um, we make little like um, welcome home cleaning buckets as closing gifts. So, um, but yeah, really trying to push the, you know, reusable glass bottles and buying in bulk. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, slightly inconvenient, but if you're going to your co-op anyways and the bulk bins, you know, it feels good to not throw away plastic. And uh, you have refillable uh, stations, right? Um, that's definitely a major departure from general yes. norms. Yes, um, it is. Yep. Is we've, we've got refill stations. Um, you buy the glass bottle, and then when you refill it, you're refilling it at about half the price because I tried to make it economical too. So um, they're at both of the Blooming Foods, um, the refill stations, both Blooming Foods and also Rose Hill Farm Stop and Georgetown Market in Indianapolis. And then you can also buy bulk um, directly from me on my website. And I've also been trying to. Um, I work with a couple other house cleaning companies that I'm trying to, you know, make connections and and um, have them buy directly from me bulk. Hmm. So yeah, is there? Um, I, I saw you have a little bit of a kind of a short bio anyway on your website about how you grew up. Um, and how that kind of shaped your orientation to be a little more concerned about these things? Yeah, um, I grew up, I mean, looking back on it now, I'm just so lucky. I was just up there actually this last weekend, but it's a lake up in Northern Indiana called Lake Papakeechee. And it's, um, it's in Syracuse, Indiana, but it's growing up, it was a bummer, but there's absolutely no motorboats allowed on this lake no trolling motors, you know, no motors. And then this lake connects to the largest natural lake in Indiana, which is Lake Wawasee. Um, there's a bunch of lakes up there. But anyways, it was funny, you know, we were, we grew up on Papakeechee with our paddle boat and all of my friends were on Wawasee with their ski boats and wakeboards. <laughs> so growing up, we were like, oh man. But as an adult now, it's like, oh, I mean, that water, that lake, it is so clean, so beautiful. Every time I go up there, I'm just so thankful. So, you know, and we have children now. So I just, I kind of see it as my duty to try to preserve our earth as much as possible. Um, and it can be really overwhelming when you look at the climate issues and the problems and the, you know, but I really do believe that each individual taking steps in the right direction does make a difference. So yeah, that's kind of my, that's how I got started and where my kind of mission statement comes from just, you know, trying to do the best we can and choosing conscious lifestyle changes and you know setting examples so and so so have you done fairly well have you in these last few years been anything of a challenge on the business and are you still growing are you planning on further scaling up 
Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of a serial entrepreneur, as in my whole life. I've, you know, I started my own house cleaning business 15 years ago. So in the world of entrepreneurship, it's always slowly but surely. Um, so you know, just slowly expanding marketing, outreach, you know, education. It's a it's a slow process, but you just have to stay the course. And we have been expanding. It's been great. I would love to do more connecting with local businesses that clean a lot. Um, and we're up in Indianapolis, but I, you know, that's a market that's a lot bigger that I'd like to see hit more. But really, actually, just focusing on Bloomington. If everybody in Bloomington, you know, chose the right cleaners and I mean, that's a reach. I won't say everybody, maybe even 50%. <laughs> if 50% of Bloomington, you know, Bloomington residents really, you know, made some effort, we'd be in great shape. Um, but I also would like to see, I'd like to perhaps get down in Louisville. They have a great co-op system down there. I think it's called Rainbow Market. Um, but yeah, I mean, we'd like to expand some, but actually keeping things regional, you know, we don't ship. That's part of it too, is, you know, when you're thinking about true ecology, I'm not really interested in shipping out to California. Maybe we could franchise, but, um, we'd like to just keep things regional. Great. And, uh, do you, do you think there's a kind of a conscious community in Bloomington? Is that why you thought it would fly here? I mean, absolutely. You know, if you're going to live any anywhere in Indiana, it's got to be Bloomington. If you're, you know, I won't say that though. That's not fair. <laughs> there's good people all over the state, but um, yeah, Bloomington's always been pretty eco-focused. I went to school at IU. We, um, as they say, bloomeranged. We bloomeranged twice. Um, we've lived in lots of different places, but um, Bloomington's got something special. I have two sisters that live here too. So it's nice having family around and, you know, I think folks, are, they're, they're focused on pushing the envelope and, you know, moving Indiana in the right direction. So. Have you had any interactions with the, the city or anything like that on using your products? That's a good question. I recently reached out to them and, um, you know, they don't really, they just contract with whoever they're using which i they gave me the name and i reached out to that company and um you know a lot of these companies are just worried about the bottom dollar when it comes to their cleaning products which you know my my products are 30 dollars a gallon it's fairly um comparable to other eco cleaning products so but a lot of times that's what they're concerned about. I would love to see the city of Bloomington. Um, you know, I know they've got lots of sustainability initiatives and, you know, they're really pushing that in some regard, but 
it seems like it's kind of a no-brainer that they would, you know, use a local eco cleaning products in their buildings. But it's a, you know, it's a system. It's jumping through hoops. It's using whoever you're contracting with. It's, you know, unfortunately, it's not that easy. I also would love to be um, hooked up and, you know, used at IU. But that's, you know, even more of a jumping through the hoops system. But ideally, yes, it's something I need to, you know, really focus in on more is, you know, talking with the city. Yeah, interfacing with those institutions that are kind of have a scale that they're operating on. Yes. Um, would that, would that entail you kind of expanding your team or something to maybe become that contractor? It possibly would. I mean, probably the first thing I would do is drop all of my cleaning clients. Sorry, cleaning clients. <laughs> but that, you know, me focusing my personal energy on it full time is the first step, you know. Um, but then, yeah, I would love to see right now. It's just all just going on in my kitchen and garage, but I would love to, you know, see it get to a point where I need to move into a facility and hire some extra people. And, um, that'd be great. Yeah. Find another firm to partner with to become. Absolutely. Yeah. Then, that'd be great. Yeah. Do like big contract with the city. Yeah, sure. So these are all, it's just, you know, um, it's just kind of a different scale of attacking it. It's local, but, you know, it needs to happen on both levels of so that kind of municipal structure and then household by household as well. Absolutely. Yes. I would love to see that happen. That's the issue with all these environmental things is that they need to be scaled up to start having an appreciable impact. Aside yep. from making someone feel better that at least they personally are not participating in the destruction and the contamination. Yeah, I know. You know, I, I was saying earlier, working with my son on his climate change project, it's really interesting when you look at those two years that the entire planet was on lockdown, right? We got a glimpse of what happens with like planetary regulations. If it was like, you know, greenhouse gases dropped dramatically, like, you know, it was, it's just interesting to look at it from that point of view too, you know. Of course, everyone's worried about the economy um, and I get that, right? But it's this fine balance between, you know, regulations on every single level and then people wanting to choose the right thing so like you said I mean I think it's going to take both to really get to where we need to be to you know reverse some of the damage and the economy is to serve quality of life rather than us serve the economy is what the way it should be yes I mean yeah. otherwise what's the point of it Right. And you have all these false incentives within that system to just produce, produce, produce. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the skies were clearer because people weren't flying in planes. So it was yeah. a, a clearer right. sky everything. Yeah. So it, it I mean, and it's interesting. There's room so go for, ahead. It just shows there is room for adjustment in the system. Yeah, there is. And it's really, I mean, I think one of the biggest things to think about is just the polar ice caps and like, you know, the water level and the temperature of the ocean rising and like, it's just becoming more and more clear that like, you know, we've got to turn things around or there'll be nothing to turn around. Yeah, it's been for these past few decades, it's always, oh, it's 20 years off and uh, we'll deal with it by then. But now it's very apparent. It's, you know, there's snowstorms and flooding in California now after all the time of drought. And there, there are surveys that have actually been done in uh, people in Indiana who say, yes, climate change is an issue and it will affect people but their bias is that it will affect people in the third world and that they will be fine. And you have all these weather changes going on and like the radio GJs, you know, we have wacky weather days and they go, Oh, well, Indiana weather. And it's not in the old vein of the variable Indiana weather. It's mm -hmm. clearly climate change. Mm -hmm. And I think the issue, I don't know if we'll be getting that same kind of a flux between drought and then flooding, that kind of seems what's going on. Oh, you know, yeah. That, that flooding in 21 that flooded the downtown. Oh, my gosh. A guy died that uh, his vehicle washed into Switchyard Park. And so we've kind of got our first casualty in that respect. And it's still, it's there's still a, a cognitive dissonance. There's still kind of a denial ain't just a river in Egypt. Uh, mm -hmm. mindset and people they, they seem to not be able to rat they're, they're either apathetic or they're panicked mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. instead of in a constant state of vigilance about it sure I know which I mean it's it's hard but yeah I mean that's something else I was talking with my son about right as we were talking about climate refugees and I forget what it was, but the number of homes that are going to be underwater in, I think it was, you know, it was still a probably too big of a number, but it was, I think the stat was like in 70 years, the number of homes underwater is like, we're going to be, I mean, you know, Indiana's going to be what, like, you know, oceanfront property. <laughs> I mean, that's extreme, but I'm just talking about like the temperature rising, like Indy, you know, like Northern, you know, we're sitting right here. Like we're fairly lucky, but I mean, yeah, you have weather extremes, the drought and the flood. And then something else to think about is like, um, how would I put this? We were just talking about my son and I were talking about like when we when we start hearing about the first cases of malaria in like Florida and Georgia, you know, you think of malaria as right there on the equator, and you know, but like with the rising temperatures, we're going to see all sorts of different, you know, habitat changes and what that means. So 
about insects affecting the forests and everything. And we haven't oh, had yeah. to deal with the uh, forest fire thing like the West Coast, but that may become more of a thing. And then all of a sudden, when there's smoke everywhere and the air quality issue, even if it's not right where you are. Yeah. And then uh, there was actually a neighborhood on the south uh, side during that flood in 21 that was duplexes that got all washed out and everything to where the homeless agency said to come in and put people in hotels and stuff. So we already have a form of climate refugees that has occurred in town. And I don't know how many of those people went back to their, those homes and whether they're still adrift, you know. Sure. Yeah. And then you even have things like, okay, so your home floods, if you have the financial means to like, you know, try to fix the problem, great. But like, then you've got people living in mildew homes and like, you know, it's. That's the other issues. Uh, I don't know if you have any solutions about mold and, and that kind of thing, because a dear friend of mine, he, he developed cancer and we had to move him into my place. One of the reasons was because we could visibly see black mold in his apartment. And that's not exactly, I don't really know the regulations on the, the inspections and stuff, but I, I think I've seen things to the effect of that's not exactly within, within what is uh, regulated, I don't think, as far as housing inspections and that. Then you have people that are renting and so there's a disconnect between the people living there and who actually owns the place. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. I, about mold. Yeah, I don't really have a lot of, I'm not going to claim to be a professional about it because I think it is a really um, tricky situation, right? Because once you have mold, it seems, unless you're doing a giant, you know, tear out project and like hanging all new drywall, you know, but I will say like with, you know, these dramatic climate shifts, like Indiana, Southern Indiana to me, like there's months where it feels like a jungle, just the humidity and the heat and like, yeah, flooding. Like, I think that mold is actually going to be a bigger and bigger issue. So I don't have a lot of advice about it really, because I'm not an expert in it. And I don't want to throw out information that's not. But I do know that like bleach doesn't really, you know, you can spray it with bleach and it's, you know, I think it's a temporary cover up, but it's not a solution. Um, but yeah, that's something people need to be thinking about and really careful about. I mean, I guess I would say run a dehumidifier a lot in the summer months. Just try to like, you know, consciously think about that. Yeah. The moisture, and be aware of it. Moisture kind of being a carrier in the air aside from also fomenting the growth on the surfaces. Yeah. But yeah, as you were saying, I mean, just it's such a tricky situation with like, you've got these property owners. And then you have these one-year tenants, right? One year, not even a year, we'll say like nine months of someone living in a place isn't even long enough to really like start to recognize that there is a mold issue, right? And then the next tenant's in. So 
that seems like that would be an interesting project for like, I'm not sure. Is it hand housing yep. and neighborhood development? Or it seems like that's something that should be more like carefully looked at, but yeah, monitored and assessed at the, at the least. Yeah. But Bloomington and the housing issue, I mean, that's a whole nother interview. <laughs> Not with me, but I know it's a big problem. Yeah, I'm actually on the Bloomington Housing Quality Appeals Board that oversees the hand inspections. Great. Well, and I don't, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to bash hand at all, but I do know that like kind of how it works is you make your report and hand has to give the landlord a chance to fix it, which is great. But like, how many of them are just going to slap on like a new coat of paint and call it done? You know, I just don't know how much I follow through on like, you know, I don't know. There, there probably needs to be some new regulations put into the system on actual health metrics. Yeah. There are about things like lead. Sure. Right. Clutter and trash and, you know. Right. Yeah. Hygiene, not just safety. You know. Sure. Right. But um, they talk about the worst, worst air quality is generally indoor. And that's because... Mm-hmm the off-gassing of everything from aldehyde mm-hmm. in the carpets. Mm-hmm. Furniture and everything is plastic anymore. Oh yeah. You can't you can't get anything that used to not be plastic that isn't plastic. No, I know. Planned obsolescence on everything. Not oh yeah. Ever. Oh yeah. Which I will say, you know, if you are looking to buy new or you need new, like try to buy used, right? For multiple reasons. But the whole off-gassing issue is a huge one. Like, you know, I think last year we actually, it was a giant struggle, but we bought a new mattress and I let that thing sit out in the garage for weeks before I brought it in. Cause it was just like, you know, and they have new regulations on it and stuff as far as like off gassing goes, but it's still what it is. Um, yeah, we've got people that are into that new car smell that they've even got it in in bottles of spray. They've got bottles of spray so you can keep that new car smell by having that chemical off gassing. That's that's you've got people that are super sensitive, and you've got other people that are like addicted to it or something. I know. I know, which I always say, and that really a lot of it goes back to psychological, right? Like a lot of people think that clean smells like lemon pledge or that clean smells like pine salt, you know, but true clean doesn't smell like anything, you know, you really, you know, and yeah, we do use a little essential oil, but it should be, you know, an hour later after you clean your house, it should smell like nothing. And also your cleaners shouldn't be um, bright colors, right? Because a lot of times that's, I think it's called um, cold, it's cold, it's tar, cold tar dyes. But like, yeah, you know, if your hand soap is bright purple, lavender, bright purple, it's kind of like, so clean shouldn't smell like anything. That's true clean. But yeah, but a lot of these go back to psychological 
issues of growing up, you know, or some people don't feel like a place is clean unless they smell bleach. And it's just like, oh man, bleach, ammonia, you know, the, st the statistics also of people were um, cleaning agent, cleaning companies and respiratory problems later in life is like off the charts. That's why, you know, when I started professionally cleaning, I got trained, I did it for a few months and then I was like, this isn't worth it. You know, the headaches, the coughing, skin irritation, and that's just your body trying to warn you, you know, but it's sad actually to think about the people that do it all their lives the hazards of like conventional cleaning, commercial cleaning. Yeah, that's been the issue with firefighters finding that they're full of the PFAS forever chemicals because of the foams they use. And then you have like the the nail industry where some of the uh, Korean and Asian nail parlors and stuff, these generally ladies are exposed to this stuff constantly. And yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. What more indication do you need? Yeah. And it seems like you can be proactive on all these kind of things and monitor them. You know, as as soon as you get any pings on it, okay, time to change the formula. I know. Yeah. A while ago, um, let's see if I can find that number. It was um so there's just hardly any um regulations on the on the chemicals that that we use it was something like I, I don't have it and I shouldn't say this but anyways it was the number of new chemicals produced since world war ii is something like over a hundred thousand and there's really hardly any regulations on any of these chemicals and it's just it's scary you know and the epa only picking a few a year or in cycles of five or 10 years or something too. No, I know. Yeah. And if you look over in Europe, the number of chemicals that they've banned, you know, is like off the charts compared to the United States, you know, we're like free for all over here. So um, yeah, it matters. And I think, you know, like we were talking about, I think what we're seeing now with autoimmune diseases and health problems is like, I think what we're seeing is generations of, you know, no regulations on this stuff. And we're kind of seeing like the fallout of it. Yeah. Cancer is basically, I think one in two men and the aut autism rates are I think it's like one in 60 or something like that. Oh, that too. I know. Um, and so there's a clear, and then you've got uh, fertility issues coming up. Yep. Uh, I know. Recently, it was the American Pediatric Society said, stop. One, feeding your kids on plastic. And two, stop putting plastic in your dishwasher which everybody, you know. Well, that's the main like, association with every kid-filled household is a bunch of colorful plastic toys and sippy cups. And I know. 
And when babies are babies, everything's in their mouth. It's just, you know. So there are actually, there are actually companies now coming out with like colorful fun, like stainless steel um, plates and cups and sippy, you know, I think slowly, but surely we've all seen like the, you know, drinking bottles are kind of, you know, I guess getting better. I know people still buy plastic drinking bottles by the cases at Sam's Club and Costco. But anyways, um, you know, I also think, honestly, I think um, one of our biggest problems is the addiction to convenience. You know, we've for decades now, it's just been like what more and more convenience, you know, it's like a drug, like Amazon. And the other side of that is not thinking long term on the consequences. Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know buying from bulk, going back to the store and refilling your cleaners like these it's almost like we have to relearn how to do these things you know and our great grandparents like that was just what they had so it's what they did but we've been you know microwave dinners and you know the convenience is killing us yep sold the bill of goods (laughs) i remember seeing I've seen old ads in the, I don't know if it was like popular science, popular mechanics or something. When they first started some of these things, uh, it was like throwing all these plastic things away was like the ad. It's like, you'll never have to do dishes again. And it's like, you know, we're going to, you know, wrap your cheese in it and everything. You know, it's like that was literally part of the initial appeal. Yeah. Absolutely. If it was all biodegradable stuff that could go right into the compost, maybe kind of. Yeah. That right. would be okay. Some not thinking about the energy to produce each of these objects each time. Yeah. Well, and then even just how it changed our like food so much, right? Everything is now just like, you know, pre cooked all about how quick can I like you know which I get it and not to go too deep but like part of it's this you know working to live lifestyle like nobody has time to hang out and cook like an awesome home-cooked meal anymore because we're all just you know hustling because we're so free So anyways, yeah, not to get too philosophical, but like, it's interesting when you think about like when all this convenience started, right? I'm going to say the eighties. I don't know. I'm just thinking about like TV dinners, right? That was Um, pretty much the forties and fifties, I think really post-war. Sure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, that was a generation that had always done home cooking and everything. And so it was freeing to them because they did the daily drudgery that was their constant. So people, it really appealed to, you know, and it was somewhat okay at that point. But yeah, it's become quite the Frankenstein. It sure has. And we're all addicted to it now. I mean, it's like, you know, how quick can you, you know, even like technology wise, right? Like Google it. It's like, I don't, I don't know if my kids know how to use an encyclopedia. 
So anyways, we got a little off topic, but. Nope, that's (laughs) that's good for the fuller episode. And I think we've only got a minute left on my uh, Zoom that I uh, set up. I didn't think to extend the end time. I just set the beginning time. Yeah. So um, I think that's, I don't know if it's going to cut us off in a minute or if it'll continue. Okay. But, um, so yeah, I don't know if there's anything else you want to put in. Before um, I mean, I'm just thankful that you're doing a little focus on this and, you know, I think that people just need to pay a little bit closer attention to the label. That's another interesting thing is you actually don't have to have ingredients on cleaning products. If you look at a lot of cleaning products, it'll say, you know, full list of ingredients on the website, right? So you have to, it's like this, you know, and actually I will say that my labels don't even have the full list of ingredients, but I'm changing that, doing new labels soon. It's all going to be transparent and there. Um, But yeah, I think that um, there's a little bit too much trust on the consumer's end of, you know, what they're spraying around and what they're using and um, to dig deeper and to choose something that's, you know, not only healthy for them, their pets, their children, but once it gets washed down the drain, you know, healthy for the aquatic environment too. It's important. And if you want to check out my website, it's drift-home.com. And I would love to also answer anybody's questions about like cleaning, what to clean, how to clean it, you know, what's the best way, anything like that. You can email me. Great. Yep. I think that'll uh, definitely give some people a different orientation to operate on this, this season. Hopefully. Uh, break out of the base baseline norm of uh yeah everything that's just pervasive these days yeah hopefully oh yeah it only takes a little bit to jar people into oh yeah i guess i could and while they're thinking about it you know at this time of year mm-hmm. when they're gonna buy and stuff it's gonna last for the next year or two mm-hmm Well, and I will say too, you know, I think that it is more and more, you know, um, parents paying attention to like, you know, their kids with allergies, paying attention to what your body is trying to tell you, you know, if your eyes are irritated after cleaning, you know, your hand, your skin's all cracked, you have a headache, like, you know, our bodies are trying to communicate with us. And so I think more and more people actually are becoming aware of that. Thank goodness. And you will see products that are like heavily scented, but it says phthalate free. You know, so the industry is also catching on to what consumers are, you know, being concerned about. Yeah. That's the other end of pressuring the industry to. Yeah. It's the green, green washing. Yeah. Yeah, some, Some of it generally being fake like when they uh took the bpa out of some things you say bpa free but well yeah but what did you replace it with (laughs) nobody knows about that one yet exactly right bpa was like the poster child for like 
you know, plastics. It's like, oh, okay, well, so, I mean, it's good. Every little step is good, but it's also, it's easy to get, you know. But it, it takes that awareness on the front end to create any kind of change at all. Yeah. Because there has to be some hubbub that's raised. Yeah. Yes. Before the, then the, the lag of industry. Yes. But it's great that you have proactively created an alternative because the people that want these alternatives and generally don't know where they are or how to find them. Yeah. And doing everything from scratch is just not most people's orientation. Even if they're not like super about convenience, they don't go to fast food or something like that. Right. I used to doing it from the ground up. Right. Yeah. They're not going to rot their own plants to make vinegar or anything. Yeah. Right. Well, and also, you know, like I say, it's so, it's just community based, right? Because it's like, I don't have time. I'm not going to, I'm not baking bread. Right. Like, let somebody else bake the bread. Let somebody else make the cheese. You know, it's kind of going back to that old, like, you know, and a lot of it's just about supporting your local community, which is, you know, everything. Um, so, but yeah, like people can make things from scratch, but who has time to make everything, you know? So yeah, it's so, cool to support local. Yep. Yeah, and have little specialized pockets and sort of a, a bartering on a macro scale between those people with their specialized kind of really an artisan thing at this point especially yeah it is and so uh yeah the uh interesting that you were doing things like the scented candles and stuff too and what's that with beeswax yeah i and i don't have those for sale on the website i just make them myself um only because like my daughter's 15 she loves candles but you know, it was what, it was maybe two years ago, somebody got her a candle from um, Bath and Body Works. Like, oh, anytime she burned that, I could smell it like, you know, clear through the house. So then it was like, okay, well, cool. Let's just make candles, you know? So again, when you're making candles, yeah, we use beeswax. Um, they're not going to be, you know, we do scent it with essential oils, but they're not going to be as strong as like a synthetically fragranced candle. Um, but you also, once you start taking fragrances out of your life, um, you can smell again. In fact, I think there's some chemicals, there's a chemical in Febreze that deadens your sense of smell. And so I think that's something that people are definitely addicted to i know and so i think that uh you know part of it is like when you're constantly bombarded with fragrances you do kind of loot you know like anything right you become almost immune to it and so then when you start taking taking that out of your lifestyle then a lightly scented essential oil candle smells great you know yeah it's kind of like people that sort of do overnight fasting and and aren't kind of constantly eating appreciate the taste of food flavors more yeah same thing with like salt right yeah and heirloom 
heirloom varieties of food with more flavor. Yeah. Because the microbes are alive and a little more. Yeah. <laughs> you get other molecules that are made yes. instead of something that's monocropped and yes. basically a factory product. Yeah. So anyways, yeah, the candles are just a fun thing I do for, you know. Do you do soaps and things too? or? I don't do soaps. We do. So we have the two main cleaners. We have the multitasker, which is like an all surface, all purpose. We have the grime busta, which is like um, heavy duty, more of a heavy, like grime, soap, scum in your bathtub, stuff like that. And then we do a dishwasher powder, which is called sparkle sparkle. I have I have to be funny with my names, you know, because it's like it gets too boring if not. So sparkle, sparkle. Um, that's in bulk also at both of the Blooming Foods and Rose Hill Farm Stop. Yeah. So, but you've just added Rose Hill. What's that? Rose Hill's at a newer client or new. Rose yeah. Hill Farm Stop. They went in what maybe two years ago. It, that's on um, Kirkwood, but it's, I think at that point, it's West 5th. So um, just west of Juanita's, that restaurant, Rose Hill Farm Stop. That was kind of, I think that was, I, I'm not sure of the history, but I think it was an initiative with the city during COVID um, to do like, um, I don't know what it was. But anyways, it's a new spot that um, really focuses on local farmers and local producers. Hmm. Yeah, local growers guild some years back started looking more into uh, the value added post packaging. Yes, of, of their farm products. Yes, way to eliminate some miles traveled. Mm -hmm. For sure. I know that's the thing too, right? When you're really thinking about ecology and eco-focused products, it's like, you know, these shipping things. That's something else I talked with my son about, right? It's like shipping, you know, strawberries from Mexico versus like there's some times of the year that we shouldn't be eating strawberries if you live in Indiana. <laughs> So eating seasonally, but like buying from local farmers or growing your own, you know. Well, and a lot of a lot more of that can actually be done in greenhouses and things, even through the winter. Yes. There's, there's ways to kind of adapt. Yes. Still extend. get a little more variety that way. Yeah, extend the season and get a little yeah. more dietary variety. Yes. The microbiome, which mm -hmm. is to everything in health and surely some of those some of that is what's behind these other health impingements is the fact that our basic microbiome is being affected by all these onslaughts yeah we, we absorb these things through our skin we don't mm -hmm. have to eat we don't even have to breathe it we literally absorb it through the skin i know put a piece of garlic on your thigh or something, then, then you have garlic bread, you know, so <laughs> people, don't, people don't think of themselves like that. Like you're kind of a river, you know? Yeah, for sure. And then we're a continent of all these mi microbes, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. which create all the affect our mood, 
you know so yeah it's, it's uh it's all uh all interrelated and like we we are a, an ecosystem in ourselves within an ecosystem yes that's everything that we've been divorced away from thinking about is that we're this automaton think of ourselves like a robot already mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we use this raw material fuel instead of an interacting system that has yeah. things happening on both ends yes Yes. So yeah, um, it's good to uh, kind of get a profile of a, a local green business. Yeah. In, in the mix of our shows, um, let me know about any other things. Uh, you know, any other kind of entities that are doing something better policy-wise, be it progressive, social, eco. Sure. It's to kind of you know raise awareness a little more about alternatives you know people feel like they're just locked into things as they are i know well and like you said i mean i think really focusing too on like um you know positive change and small steps that like we all can do you know i think that that's because it's just so easy to get depressed and overwhelmed and frustrated and like you know because yeah it's a massive problem it seems out of our control. And in some ways it is, but focusing on like actionable items and like, you know, small changes that we can all make. I think that's really important. And, and once somebody does that, they affect everyone around them. Yeah. It, it becomes into the consciousness of everyone around them that, oh yeah, I could do it like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Living by you example. Know. Yeah, be, being the pesky one, everybody's like, oh, no. <laughs> I know. Here comes the, the conscious one. Oh, no. <laughs> going to rouse, rouse me out of my torpor. Yes. <laughs> well, great. I'm glad uh, glad we could do this, and I'm going to try to, um, you know, get a short segment on the air, on the radio, and then cool also air the the full thing on tv and online great perfect um well thanks so much and it was nice to zoom meet you maybe someday we'll shake hands in person yeah i'm still pretty uh precautionary as i have the thyroid problem and autoimmune issue it's literally eating eating away my shoulder joint arthritic problem even though i kind of do a lot of anti-inflammatory herbs and things apparently i'm going to have to up it even more with my whole whole foods plant-based i did find that i don't have apparently high levels of metals which i thought may have been behind it but it all seems to be a long COVID effect of the autoimmune system but it's hard to tell because it could be a lifetime of things it could be cheap dental fillings and it's probably a little bit of all of it. Yeah. And so I've, yeah. you know, I got to pick and choose when I kind of, you know, breach and then take my precautions even then. But yeah. yeah. This is the way I've still, still interact with the world. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you know, you got to, and every person's health is so different, you know? So I yeah, get but- it. I haven't been able to shift it so far to where I think I'm going to have to start taking the 
medication. Yeah. But, uh, I'm hoping to get some better readings soon on that. And so yes, yeah, I'll uh I'll be definitely doing the phase out on the typical chemicals. Yeah. So um goodness to the family and all and uh thank you. And uh I'll let you know when we uh get this in it uh edit and uh, great. Get it out there. Great. Well yeah, thank man. you. Thanks for the good work that you're doing. Yep, trying to. Um yeah. it's it's kind of weird when you're freelance uh people are like, what? You know, it's kind of difficult to get people to participate if you're not like a the you know the the university or the paper you know yeah <laughs> so spread, spread spread the word that there is a media outlet for you know anything that's halfway progressive eco conscious or something because sure. there needs to be more reinforcement of this yeah so that people feel like they have some power and some community in the matter yes I agree so thank. You. Thanks again, and uh, yep, I, I think we've safely been able to record the whole way, even though it went past the point. Cool. Hopefully, hopefully it's all in there. Great. All right. Well, enjoy the day. It's cold, but it's beautiful. Yep, going into the doctor here in an hour or so. Fun. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll be, I'll be getting my exposure then. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, no place is full of more plastic and phthalates and stuff the medical office oh i know <laughs> probably clean some of those yeah I, i've done some of that myself cleaning institutional places uh-huh yeah it's like another trash bag oh i know right <laughs> some of those things if you could just do a compostable version of that stuff and I mean, like with the, we got another bank failure here. All these billions that bleed out in all these silly ways. I know. Yet, yet where we need it, we don't devote it. I know. And every, it could be changed in months. The whole I system know. nationwide. I mean, certain things you got to ratchet up, but and scale it up. But some things are already right there. Just, I know. It's like pinch it out of this percentage of that budget over here <laughs> i know so have a good one and i will you too i will be in touch bye bye bye